Hi there, everyone. Michael A. Bryan from the Oraculous School of Astrology, and welcome to Michael Fix My Stars, my new astrology hotline where I help real people troubleshoot real challenges that they face within their lives using the wisdom of astrology. Okay, so I've been having eclipses on my Mars and on my Saturn. Like transiting Saturn has been passing over quite a few of my planets. But I was thinking about this upcoming eclipse on like the 28th. So my question is, with the last eclipse on my Mars and on my Saturn, will things start looking better? Like, hopefully? <laughs> this question has to do with the eclipses in general in astrology. And this person has been having the eclipses landing on natal factors within her chart, and she wants to know about the effect of the eclipses, basically how that's going to pan out. So when we take a look at eclipses at the Oraculo School of Astrology, we prioritize the solar eclipse. And this is something that we also see as a thread within astrology in general. And if I had to think about why that would be, I think that it's because... Even when we use lunation charts for the purpose of mundane prediction, we're often only using the new moon chart as a means of interpreting the events of the month ahead. And as we all know, a new moon is the conjunction of the sun and the moon. And similarly, a solar eclipse is the conjunction of the sun, the moon, at either one of the moon's nodes. So as a result of that, I think that there's just this undercurrent within astrology where we tend to use the solar eclipse as being a more impactful thing and where we tend to view the new moon as being a far more impactful predictive gauge as opposed to the full moon, which really represents what happens halfway through that series. So as far as answering this question is concerned, we're going to take a look at the solar eclipses because they tend to be far more manifest, and we'll see where that takes us. So the first thing I do when I take a look at eclipses is I always take a look at eclipses on a bi-wheel. Now, even though I tend to be bi-wheel averse when it comes to other things, such as solar returns, for example, there's never a version of my humanity that would ever look at a solar return as a bi-wheel because there is so much interpretive value to be gained from the solar return on its own terms that to flatten the reality of the solar return by looking at it as a bi-wheel just seems like a nonsensical thing for me to do within the context of my practice. I don't do it. I don't teach it. My students don't do it. My students don't practice it. So I don't look at solar returns like that, but I do look at eclipses on a bi-wheel format, and I do look at transits on a bi-wheel format. If I'm ever going to look at transits from a traditional chart-based format, I look at them as a bi-wheel. Same thing is true for secondary progressions as well as solar arc directions. And the reason for that is all of those things, secondary directions, solar arc directions, eclipses, those are really just locational factors that we're superimposing onto our natal chart. Whereas a solar return chart by itself is a vital interpretive chart by itself. And it symbolizes just as much as our natal chart symbolizes. Therefore, to crunch it on top of the natal chart in the same way as we would do transit just really isn't a smart thing to do. With that being said, when we take a look at eclipses, one of the first things that we want to do is to note the natal house that that eclipse falls in. And the reason for that is because eclipses represent periods of crisis. And I can't remember who it was who said this. I think it was Brian Tracy who said this. But he said that as human beings, we're always on some part of the spectrum of crisis. We've either just left a crisis, we're either in a crisis, or we're about to enter a crisis. And when he said that, the first thing my mind thought about was the eclipses, because the eclipses have only ever manifested a malefic influence as far as traditional astrology is concerned. I don't know what modern astrologers say eclipses do. I don't care to know what modern astrologers say eclipses do. As far as traditional astrology is concerned, an eclipse has always represented a critical moment of crisis that manifests within the life of a person. And I'm fine with that definition. I don't need for that definition to change because 
because of me or because of anybody. So that's how we view eclipses in general from a traditional astrological perspective is the first thing. The first thing we want to do is to note which house the eclipse is falling in. And note that I'm saying which house the eclipse is falling in as opposed to which houses the eclipses are impacting. And the reason for that is because we're only going to be taking a look at the solar eclipse. We're not going to be taking a look at the lunar eclipse. Therefore, we're not going to be looking, for example, in this chart, we have the solar eclipse falling within the fifth house of this native's chart. Therefore, we're not going to also bring in the 11th house because eclipses are location sensitive because determination by location is immediate, which means that the house that this eclipse is falling in is going to be the house that we pay the most attention to within the context of the astrology that we're going to practice. That's the first thing. The second thing is that while an eclipse landing within a natal house can represent that that area is going to manifest a particular challenge within this six-month period, because we know that in general, solar eclipses have a six-month period between them. So while we know that the natal house that the eclipse is going to be landing in is going to show an area of potential crisis within this six-month period, that crisis is only further attenuated based on whether or not that eclipse is going to be conjunct a natal factor or if it is going to be square or opposite to a natal factor. And the reason why I only use conjunctions, squares, and oppositions in terms of these major eclipse events is because those aspects seem to manifest far more strongly in terms of our traditional understanding of the eclipses representing an area of crisis within the life of the native. While I do practice Uranian astrology and cosmobiology as well, I don't take into consideration some of the smaller hard aspect combinations that we would take within those systems of astrology because these major hard aspects such as the square, the opposition, and we'll also throw into that the conjunction, those are going to manifest more strongly from the perspective of traditional eclipse interpretation. So those are the two things that we always want to be mindful of whenever we're interpreting eclipses. One, which house is it landing in? Because that house is going to represent an area of crisis within the life of the person asking the question. And two, we also want to know whether the eclipse is afflicting a natal factor. You having the eclipse trine a natal planet means nothing whatsoever. You having the eclipse in a square opposition or in a conjunction to a natal factor does definitely mean a lot. Now, this brings in the question of orbs. What is the orb size that we use within an eclipse? I personally prefer a zero degree orb, but truthfully, if I had to stretch it, I would stretch that orb to include three to five degrees of arc between the eclipse and the actual natal factor that it's impacting. We can even stretch it as far as seven degrees of arc between the eclipse and the natal factor that it's impacting. However, within all things astrological, the tighter the aspect, the more impactful the effect. So we're going to take a look at this chart, see what this eclipse is impacting, and see whether or not we have anything to say to the native about this coming eclipse. So here we see the eclipse landing within the fifth house of this person. And so... From a regular Idiot's Guide to Astrology textbook definition, we would say that this could manifest that there is going to be a bit of increased activity, which is the nice way of saying crisis. There's going to be a bit of increased activity within this person's life as far as her fifth house is concerned. Now, I think it's important to also qualify this word crisis. A crisis does not necessarily have to be something negative. You can graduate from university, and that's a crisis. You can move into your new home, and that's a crisis. You can have your first child, and that's a crisis. All of these things that aren't necessarily considered to be quote-unquote bad things can still manifest as crises within our lives because a crisis represents any sharp spike from the normal. We could have wonderfully great sharp spikes from the normal in terms of things such as marriage and winning an award 
or getting a promotion at work or traveling to our favorite destination, all of those things represent sharp spikes from the normal within the context of our lives. However, we can also have crises that can manifest in a potentially negative way as well. So within this year, what this is saying is that the native is going to have a sharp spike from the normal in terms of fifth house activities. And this could be wonderful. This could represent that the native is having new creative opportunities in order for her to better express herself artistically within her environment. And it can also represent that this could be a period of time in which the native is going to find herself working more closely or more intimately with children. And that's going to be a major event that's unfolding within her life within this coming period. So those are the two things. The fifth house represents the things that make us feel childlike, such as art and competition and all of those things that we do specifically for the sake of pleasure. But the fifth house also has to do with children. So things that make us feel childlike and also children in general are going to be represented by the fifth house. So we can say to her that this is going to be a period of time in which she finds these topics coming more to the forefront of her awareness as we move into this next six months. And this may largely be the determining factor of what's occurring within her life over the course of the next six month period. So the fifth house is definitely going to be a factor within this. We're going to take a look and see what aspects within her chart this eclipse is going to be making. And we see that the eclipse is at 21 degrees Libra. She has no natal factors within Libra. So we're going to go around holding that 21 degrees in our mind and see what else that is going to be impacting. And as we go around, we see that it's relatively close to her natal node. She has the natal north node in the first and the natal south node in the seventh house. There's an argument that this could also impact the sort of relationships or the sort of interpersonal relationships she finds herself entering within this next period. Now, many of you will note that she has the north node within the five degree range of the second house cusp in order for us to consider this north node to be in the second house. However, there's an understanding within traditional astrology that says that the nodes casteth no rays because the nodes hath no body. And what that means is that because the nodes don't have a physical body, the nodes can't project themselves beyond where they are into another place by virtue of their rays. Because the nodes do not have a physical aura extending from them that would make them able to project themselves from where they are into another house. Therefore, the five-degree rule that we use within traditional astrology that states that if a planet is within five degrees of the next house cusp and in the same sign as the next house cusp, that planet should be considered to be in that next house. That five degree rule does not apply to the nodes as far as my understanding of that five degree rule is concerned. However, it also doesn't apply to the part of fortune or to any of the Arabic parts in general because the parts and the nodes casteth no rays because the parts and the nodes hath no body. Therefore, these nodes are definitely, as far as I'm concerned, going to be in her first and seventh house. So having the eclipse squaring her natal nodes can be an indication that this is going to be a period of intensified emphasis within her life as far as her interpersonal relationships are concerned and she might find herself having to navigate a bit of a crisis or a bit of a challenging period where she has to renegotiate who she is in those interpersonal relationships and she may also have to renegotiate whether or not she wants to continue being in those relationships to begin with. So this could have to do with an actual relationship that she might be in or this might have to do with a relationship that might be coming into her life within the course of the next six months. Now we're going to quickly take a look and see what else this eclipse is going to be in hard aspect to within her chart. We don't see the eclipse in hard aspect to anything else, but we do see that the eclipse is in a direct quincunx relationship with her Venus. Venus is the universal significator of love within astrology, and I love a quincunx just as much as anybody else. At the Oracular School of Astrology, we emphatically use the quincunx. Even though the quincunx isn't an aspect, the quincunx definitely has the ability to manifest within our lives with the same force of any other aspect. 
and possibly even more so forcibly. So she has this eclipse in the Queen Kong's relationship with her Venus. What this means is that this is going to manifest within the things that the Venus rules within her chart, but it's also going to manifest within the things that Venus universally signifies in general, which we know that Venus is the universal significator of love within any astrological application. Let's take a look and see what things Venus is specifically ruling within her chart. We see the Venus ruling her fifth house. We also see the Venus ruling her twelfth house. So that's a bit of an interesting thing because it says that her fifth house and her twelfth house are joined together within this lifetime. What this can be an indication of is that there could be a connection between things that she's doing for her pleasure or to bring herself a sense of happiness or joy or fulfillment within this life, and those things can directly also tie into her self-undoing. Now, this is interesting because when we apply the Chaldean order to the 12 houses, we find Venus being associated with the fifth house, which would naturally make sense because Venus is a goddess of pleasure, and the fifth house is also a house of pleasure, but we also have Venus associated with the 12th house, which says to us that very often the things that we're pursuing within this life to bring us pleasure can also be the things that end up leading to our silent suffering or that also end up leading to us feeling as if we have done something that has directly contributed to our self-undoing. And so this could be an indication, based on what we saw earlier, that her interpersonal relationships within this period might be very challenging for her to navigate, and those interpersonal relationships might be creating a sense of crisis within her life at this period, where she might have to make compromises that she probably doesn't feel like she wants to make. However, those relationships might put her in a position where she has to make those compromises, and therefore it ends up feeling like an affront to the fact that she was in those relationships to begin with for the purpose of deriving some greater sense of pleasure within her life. So that's what we see with the Venus ruling the fifth house as well as ruling the twelfth house. So that's something she wants to be mindful of as she goes into this next six-month period. In this next six-month period, the largest area of quote-unquote potential crisis that might be unfolding is in her love life. Now, the last thing we're going to do is take a look and see what else this eclipse is aspecting within her natal chart. It isn't aspecting anything else whatsoever. The last thing that I find useful to do when looking at eclipses is to look and see what the eclipse planets are landing on natally. We see that she has the eclipse Neptune landing on her Venus, which is once again having to do with this notion of disappointment in love. So she might find herself in a particular era of her life where relationships in general don't really seem as if they have the ability to deliver the goods to her. Or she might find herself in a particular era of her life where her love life seems to be manifesting in a way that's possibly not really as supportive to her as she would like for it to be. And that might cause her to have to navigate whether or not she wants to continue being within that sphere of love to begin with. Because the Venus-Neptune combination is a combination that can oftentimes feel like disappointment within the large reality of my love life. So that's one of the things that we see with the Venus-Neptune. And we also see the Uranus in a conjunction with her natal Saturn. Saturn within her chart is ruling her 8th house, it's also ruling her 9th house. And just having Uranus conjunct our Saturn in general can make us feel as if we're going through a period where the things that once felt stable within our lives now feel as if they're being threatened. And that can feel very stressful for us, especially when we're dependent on those things to give us a sense of stability and ease as we navigate the world. So this coming period, this particular eclipse period could be very edgy for her as she figures out how to navigate the changes that she's going through within the sphere of her love and her romantic life in general, but it could also be a bit edgy for her as she, as she realizes over this next six-month period that there could be systems of support and security that have existed within her life for a long time, and those systems of support and security, she's being asked to renegotiate her relationship to them because those things might have to be removed out of her life in order to create more space for her own 
own growth and evolutionary process. And that can feel like something that's a little bit threatening. That can feel like something that feels overwhelming. That could feel like something that creates a lot of anxiety. But fundamentally, when we have these hard knocks against our systems of security and support within our lives, that is the universe's way of saying that, hey, now is the time for you to step into a larger space of growth. When we find ourselves navigating difficulties or the potential of disappointment within our love life, that can also be the universe's way of saying, hey, now is the time for you to step into a new sphere or arena of growth because potentially you've outgrown those previous spaces or those previous spheres of love and it's time for you to step into something else. So as far as this eclipse is concerned, even though we haven't done a comprehensive reading of the entire chart, these are some of the areas that seem to be manifesting most strongly for her as she navigates the next six months ahead. Yeah, that was really helpful. I mean, that, it made a lot of sense. It made a lot of sense. I'm not in a relationship, nor do I plan to be, but um, lots of relationships with people in my interpersonal life have been changing. And with the dynamic changing, that does affect my stability in a way because you sometimes, you know, when you have personal relationships with people, yeah, it's like a like shared resources sort of thing. Um, and then the whole thing about like my fifth house and my twelfth house being ruled by the same planet, that being aspected. So I definitely do see how that's coming up in the eclipse as well, but that kind of just gave me a better perspective. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hello, I am here from Sydney, Australia. It's about six in the morning and I'm personally really glad that um, this teaching has come about today. I really wanted to thank you as well. I've been devouring your teachings and I haven't signed up because of the time zone difference. I'm just amazed I'm awake right now and alert enough. So um, on to the question. I'm extremely ambitious, but I have been holding back my gifts my whole life. Well, my, the majority of my adult life, um, from sharing anything publicly, staying in my comfort zone. Um, at the same time, over the past few years, I've been going through profound grief. Um, and so I've been much more unfunctional in that way. I call it unfunctional. However, um, I'm under a lot of pressure um, in terms of my passions, my soul's calling to break through this. Um, there's a political event happening in Australia on the 14th of October, which lines up with the eclipse. And the eclipse is conjunct my, my ruling planet, Saturn, um, in my 10th house there of career. And, you know, following your teachings, I'm aware that this is also square my toilet bowl. And I'm just curious as to what considerations would be helpful in terms of breaking through at this time, um, given, you know, the factors around mental health and whatnot, um, as well as just how this time and this eclipse specifically may impact my career and sense of self, um, if harnessed. Okay, great question. As we all know, we are currently in eclipse season and here we have another question coming up about the eclipse. So for those of you who don't know how I use eclipses, one, I only use the solar eclipse within my work. And the reason for that is because in astrology in general, we tend to value the new moon more than the full moon. People value the full moon because it's pretty, but from a functional perspective, the full moon is halfway through a cycle, whereas the new moon is potentially more profound, not potentially, but it's far more profound because the new moon is the actual conjunction of the luminaries, and that is always going to be far more important than the beautiful full moon that we see in the sky. The new moon, and therefore the solar eclipse, which we know is a new moon, is going to be far more profound or far more impactful. 
I haven't given myself the time necessary to explore the lunar eclipses from an astrological perspective because I think that as astrologers, we all have to give ourselves a container within which we express our astrological interests. And my container has a very hard stop <laughs> at the solar eclipse. So anyway, the point of the matter is eclipses have always represented crises within traditional astrology. And I spoke earlier about the fact that a crisis isn't always a bad thing. In general, crises represent any sharp spike from the norm. You could have a crisis when you are graduating from university. You could have a crisis when you give birth to your first child. You could have a crisis when you have a major moment of career advancement at work. So crises don't necessarily have to be negative things. However, they can also be negative things. But I think it's important for us to expand the parameters of what the word crisis means so that when we hear crisis, we don't always feel like I have to run for cover, basically. So whenever we have the eclipse falling within a particular house, that area of life that that house corresponds with is going to undergo a state of crisis. That's how we interpret this. So we see this eclipse landing squarely on her natal Saturn, which is the rule of her ascendant. So we have things to say about that. And we also see the eclipse landing within her 10th house. Now, in general, when a person has the ruler of their ascendant in the 10th house, it represents a very strong career orientation. When a person has the ruler of the 10th house in their ascendant, it represents a very strong career orientation. She has the ruler of the first house in the 10th house and the ruler of the 10th house in the first house, which means to us that one, she looks very much like her mother. And the reason why we say she looks very much like her mother is because when we have the rule of the 10th house in the first house, that oftentimes can represent that. And she also has the moon in the first house as well. Moon and Venus in the first house, both are indicative of the fact that the mother is probably someone who she looks more like within this lifetime. It's a bit of a conundrum because she's also in a conjunction with the Mars ruling the father, which says that even if she looks a lot like the mother, she's probably having a closer relationship to the father. And that's kind of how we would interpret this from a traditional astrological perspective. But be that as it may, the point of the matter is that we see a very strong career orientation. She came out of the womb, the briefcase in her hand. And as a result of that, she's probably always been driven by career within the context of her life. Whenever people are overly driven by career, it sometimes sends up a little tiny minuscule red flag. It's so red it might even look pink, but it sends up a little tiny trigger of something within my mind because I always find it kind of interesting as to the reason why. <laughs> you know, whenever you have any sort of access within life. You always have to ask yourself why. When you say, I really, really, really love donuts, you should probably ask yourself why. You know, what is the reason behind that? Where did that come from? For example, I really, really, really love grapefruit. Why? Because in March 2020, during the pandemic, everything else in the grocery store was empty and the only things that people did not buy was the grapefruit and the celery, which means for at least six months during the pandemic, all I ate was grapefruit and celery. I can love grapefruit and celery now. You can't get me to stop eating grapefruit and celery because grapefruit and celery was my survivor's kit <laughs> to surviving the pandemic. But the point is there's a reason for that. So when someone tells me that they're very career-oriented, it sends up a tiny red flag, might even be pink, but it sends up a tiny flag in my mind because the question is why. Why is that such a thing for you? We could poke and pause it as to why that is, but and probably we will. But the point of the matter is she wants to know what this eclipse situation is going to do for her within this coming period. And so we have the eclipse landing squarely on the Saturn. When the eclipse is landing on the Saturn, but that's not all it's doing. Let's take a look at some of the other things it's doing. It's landing on her Saturn. It's clearly also landing on the Mars. I give a five-degree orb for eclipses. Mars is ruling her 11th house. It's also ruling the 4th house. When we have the eclipse landing on the rule of the 4th house, that can oftentimes indicate the need for relocation or that we ourselves might actually be in a moment or a period of relocation because it brings up a sense of crisis in terms of my physical home and it brings up a sense of crisis in terms of 
where I live. Because Mars is representing the fourth house, there could also be a sense of crisis unfolding within the native's life within this coming six-month period as far as her family and her domestic affairs are concerned in general. Now, something that I've noticed is that very often when a person has the ruler of the ascendant in the tenth house, they sometimes have that going on because their family and their domestic affairs probably wasn't necessarily the best situation in the world. And so as a means of running away from the issues of their family life, they bury themselves into the issues of their career life. Because at least if I can bury myself in my career, I don't necessarily have to think about all the ways in which I feel unsupported or about all the ways in which I may have felt let down from the perspective of my familial connections. So that's one of the things that we find. When we have this sort of chart, this is a person who is completely committed and overly committed and zealously committed from a professional perspective. So, the eclipse is landing on her natal Saturn, which is ruling her ascendant. It's also ruling her second house. And this could represent that she's going to navigate a period that might potentially be challenging from the perspective of her own personal well-being and how her well-being is also intersecting with her financial well-being as well within this lifetime because the Saturn is ruling both the first house and the second house and therefore that is showing up. Saturn, transiting Saturn, is also in the conjunction with her part of fortune in the second house which is another thing that could be indicating to us that the realm of her finances within this coming eclipse period could potentially be challenged in a way that is problematic. Now, the joyful news that everybody loves about astrology is the fact that time moves everything on. So this may not necessarily be something that's going to last everlastingly, but it's definitely going to be something that's manifesting within her life within the upcoming six-month period. We see this emphasis on the finances through the eclipse happening on the rule of her second house. We also see this emphasis on the finances through the Saturn and the eclipse being in the conjunction with her part of fortune. So in many, many ways, we see this notion of the challenges of finances and how that directly impacts my physical body show up within this chart. And the last thing that is noteworthy is that the Pluto of the eclipse is not only in a conjunction with the moon, but it's also in a conjunction with her natal Venus. The moon within her chart is representing her partners and her potential love interests. And very often when we have the ruler of our seventh house in a conjunction with Pluto or receiving the conjunction of transiting Pluto or the Pluto and the eclipse, that can be an indication that our partner is in for a very challenging period. Now, in general, she might attract partners who tend to have to navigate very challenging periods, period, in life because it's the moon in Capricorn and it's the moon in Capricorn in the conjunction with the south node. So possibly there is a feeling within her life of the theme of partnership being a potentially complicated one that already feels challenging as it is and having the Pluto of the eclipse landing on the moon as well as landing on the Venus could represent a massive moment. It could represent a massive potentially uncomfortable, potentially liberating, but potentially uncomfortable change that occurs within the landscape of her actual love life and that occurs within the landscape of her intimate connections in that sort of way. And this need not directly be of impact to her, but it definitely does say that if she is intimately engaging with people, those people are going to be going through a very challenging period of time that might feel as if they're navigating a symbolic death process. So that's one of the things we see with this. Now, she has the Pluto in a conjunction with the moon, and we know that the moon is the universal representative of the mother in general. And so this could also represent or indicate that her mother is very likely to navigate a very challenging moment or a very challenging experience within the coming period of time. And that as a result of that, that can leave or that can have 
a ripple effect on the family at large. The issues that are going on within the domestic circle or the issues that are directly occurring to mom could have a very challenging impact on the family at large. The Pluto will eventually make the conjunction to the Venus, which is the ruler of her 10th house of career. Having the Pluto come to the conjunction of the ruler of her 10th house of career could be saying to her that there is a massive career shift that she needs to make because the current career that she finds herself in might potentially be coming to a bit of an ending process. We see that the Venus is also occupying the southern bending. And we say the southern bending because the south node is at 25 degrees Libra in the eclipse, and her Venus is at 25 degrees Capricorn, which is the southern bending. So there could be a state of crisis that she is experiencing within the larger way in which her career as a topic is going to unfold within her life within this period, and with due reason because we see multiple things within this that could potentially represent an ending process in the career or that could potentially represent a crisis unfolding within that area of her life. Now, the next thing that we're going to do is take a look at the soul return chart for her just to see if the soul return chart is going to speak a little bit more clearly about some of the things that we've already mentioned so that we can prepare her for what is to come because forewarned is for something. I can't remember what it is. I think it's forewarned, it's forewise, but it's something like that. Now, one of the things that I do when I go poking around for someone's career from a predictive astrology perspective is I always pull up the midpoint listing because I want to see what their career promise is within this coming period of time. So I'm going to take a look at her career using the smallest hard aspect harmonic called the 64th harmonic just to see what her natal promise is in this coming period as far as career is concerned. The first thing I'm going to look at is her Mars node midpoint at 431 and let's see what's going on with the Mars node at 431. At 431, the Mars node, she has the moon there, but she also has the Uranus there. She has the Uranus at 421. She has Mars node at 431. Uranus on the Mars node midpoint could indicate a divorce from one's career. Uranus on the Mars node midpoint could indicate, for me, as an astrologer, I think Uranus on the Mars node midpoint can indicate someone working in astrology because that's just kind of how working in astrology looks. When you have Mars node, that has to do with my working connections. And when you have Uranus, that has to do with astrology. So my working connections include more astrology. That's me being as optimistic as humanly possible because who doesn't want to be an astrologer, basically. So that's the Uranus on the Mars node midpoint in one context. However, if being an astrologer is not necessarily an aspiration or a goal, then having Uranus on the Mars node midpoint can create a sense of instability within one's professional life, and it can also create a sense of separation from one's career. That's literally the way how we could explain that. Now, we also see the moon on the Mars node midpoint, which could indicate a sense of my domestic life is washing into my career life within this period, and that potentially could be a bit of a challenge, because we would imagine that it could be a bit of a challenge if the circumstances surrounding my domestic affairs suddenly wash into the circumstances surrounding my actual career. So we wonder what that could potentially be? What is the domestic event that could be occurring that could have an impact directly on the shape that my career is taking? So that's one of the things we see. The next thing that we see here is I would go to the Mars in general at 207 so that we can see if there's any direct planet to planet with the Mars. She has Neptune on the Mars. Neptune is a 202, Mars is a 207. The Mars-Neptune combination in general can be an indication that tis not the season to be working. And it could indicate tis not the season to be working more so because one, I either feel a sense of disappointment in the work that I'm doing, or two, I find myself in a state where I am not able to work in the way that I am accustomed to working. And therefore, this can be a thing that creates a little bit of a letdown or a little bit of a dampener on my personal experience of the work that I'm doing. Tangentially, we note that she has the Neptune and the Mars on her Sun-Moon midpoint as well. The Sun-Moon midpoint is our primary midpoint that we investigate as far as love and marriage is concerned. 
And so, sometimes, not always, but sometimes when a person has Mars on their sun moon midpoint, it can indicate them being in a bit of an argumentative relationship within the coming year's period because Mars on your sun moon midpoint could mean arguments and fights that unfold or that break out within the context of my intimate partnership is one of the ways how that could manifest. Another thing that we see with the Neptune on the Sun Moon midpoint is that that could indicate a sense of the querent, not the querent, that can indicate a sense of the caller feeling as if she might have to do things more independently and more individually within this coming period. Because having the Neptune on the Sun Moon midpoint could make her intimate relationships seem as if they can support her. It might cause her to have a sense of disappointment within those intimate relationships. And as a result of that, she might choose to stay in that disappointment, or she could very well choose to say, screw this, I'm out of here. So that's another thing that we see coming up with the Neptune on the Sun Moon midpoint. So the reason why I'm going directly to the topic of love as well as to the topic of career is because she came in and said, hey, what's happening in my chart this year? And we saw the ruler of herself being afflicted in the 10th house of career, but we also saw the ruler of her romantic relationships also picking up their fair share of afflictions within the context of this upcoming eclipse as well. So the eclipse gave us the highlights and we came to the soul return chart as a means of corroborating. Now, very often when people go through very big changes in their career that can manifest as the end of their career, we see that showing up through the Mars-Saturn midpoint. And she has that at 142 degrees on the 64th harmonic. And at 142 Mars-Saturn, we don't really see anything there. And we see the Venus, but that's a little bit too far from the Mars-Saturn. So that is fine. The last thing that we're going to do, just in terms of taking a look at the career side of things for her, is we'll come over here to a larger modulus, the 22 and a half degree modulus, and see that she has Mars-Saturn at 720, and see if we see anything on the and see if we see anything over here that stands out more fully. And the answer is still no. So the things that we've seen thus far from a career perspective is that within this coming period, she has the Mars node equals Uranus, which can manifest as instability within my work life, instability within my career, a sense of instability that makes me feel like I don't necessarily know the potential shape that my career is going to land in. She has the sun on the Mercury-Saturn midpoint, does she? 17, 14, sun, yeah, she does. She has the sun on the Mercury-Saturn midpoint, which can indicate that this coming year of 2024 could be a period where there is a desire to shift from where she currently lives to move elsewhere. She'll have to send us an email to let us know if that actually happens within her life. And we also see the Jupiter on the Mercury-Saturn midpoint. Jupiter has to do with saying goodbye. What? No, pardon me, Michael, dummy. Mercury-Saturn has to do with saying goodbye, and Jupiter has to do with happily saying goodbye, i.e. happily relocating or happily moving somewhere else, basically. So in a nutshell, as far as this upcoming eclipse period is concerned, it looks as if the shape that her career currently is taking could possibly be in a state of crisis within this coming eclipse period. So she should know that her self-identity as far as the career that she is in could be taking a potential turn where she has to decide a new way of how she's going to identify herself within this lifetime. So that's one of the things that we see manifesting for her as a result of the eclipse. We also see issues surrounding the home and the domestic life and her feeling as if she's potentially going through a symbolic dying process or as if women within her immediate home environment are also having to navigate a sense of a symbolic dying process as well within the unfolding of this coming eclipse period. And I think the final thing that's really worth mentioning is the relocation factor. There are many signatures within the soul return chart when viewed traditionally that also point in the direction of relocation. One of them is that she has the soul return ascendant in her natal third house, which oftentimes has to do with choosing to get up and leave from where I live to actually move elsewhere. 
And in the solar return chart, she has the solar return Jupiter, ruling the solar return ascendant, also in the solar return third house, which definitely is another indication of the potential desire to pick up, leave, and relocate. She has the ruler of the solar return fourth house in the twelfth house, receiving the square relationship from Uranus in the third house, which says that her environment possibly feels as if it's forcing her into a state of having to make a decision regarding an imminent relocation or regarding an imminent move. And that could feel like something that she doesn't really have much control over. And there are other issues surrounding that. However, the point is, this year seems like a big year in terms of the career and things unfolding within that that might potentially bring about either a massive renegotiation of who she is in her career life or just a renegotiation of who she is in general in the world and how she identifies herself. Sometimes when women have been married for a long time and they go through a divorce, their 10th house shows up very strongly within the context of their soul return or even within the context of a solar eclipse because it has to do with me renegotiating who I am and who the world has always known me as being in general. So that's one thing that we see potentially on the horizon. Two, we also see very strong indications of getting up and leaving and happily saying goodbye on the horizon as well. So that could be a relocation theme. Three, the relationship side of things does seem as if it's also in a tenuous state as well within this coming period. And I'm never the person to tell somebody what to do in their relationship. But if she is in a relationship, it could be a worthwhile endeavor for her and her partner to really try to understand each other in a deeper way within this coming period. Because chances are there are very potent stresses that will manifest within that sphere of her life as well. And then finally, I do think that overall there is this feeling of there being a major separation occurring within the family within this coming period. And that major separation could feel like a bit of a shock to the system of the native. So, you know what they say? Well, I actually don't even know what they say. But so... This could be an appropriate time for her to check in with the ones that she loves, especially the women within her life, especially the matriarchs of her family, because this does look like this year, as a result of some of the things that we see catalyzed in the eclipse, could unfold as being a very Plutonian year for her, which... 10 years later oftentimes seems like a year of liberation, but in the process of actually going through it, it may not seem that liberating at all, and it might actually feel very challenging on the ground as it's unfolding. Okay, so to start off with, in terms of relationships, very much going through literal death. So my husband died last year, um, my soulmate. Um, my mother died um, at the start of 2020, so I was grieving her deeply in the lead-up to my husband getting sick, and that was a quick turnaround as well. And uh, my father also died in July, so I've had that triple kind of... Um, it feels like Pluto's already really been hitting me um, since January 2020, when that big conjunction happened. Um, so it lined up with my mum's death. And so my whole home life has been up in the air and... Um, and when it comes down to this focus on career, you know, me, my instinct is that that comes from my father. I remember when I was very little, he would say to me, you'll be the first prime minister, female prime minister of Australia. And, you know, I'd be like, I'm too young to join the Labor Party. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I feel that I've had this thing where I want to live out his dreams in a way. There's a lot of... Um, pressure in terms of how much I can achieve and I've had that imbued in me very strongly and I feel responsibility in that. Um, when it comes to relocation, I've been in the same unit here renting for 16 years and I've, it's, I've had to make a decision. I'm having to make a decision but this is very much confirming strongly the need to relocate and I've been thinking of other options and exploring that um, having financial difficulties from not working since I've been in this grief zone has made it difficult to make those decisions um, you know needing finances to have options basically 
but my husband is from the States. I'm still not using past tense. His stuff is crap. But, um, yeah, my mother over there, his mother is um, sick as well and I need to be with them to grieve and I need to, yeah, I'm looking at going to the States as well. There's a pool to just go and be there for a while. Um, but, yeah, I've also got pools to, you know, different options going on in Australia, but nonetheless I need to move and relocate that's definitely clear thank you um yeah in terms of that professional perspective um when my husband died um so my passions are public speaking astrology and holistic health and so I would love to be speaking about astrology and holistic health you know I'm very much justice minded and that's what's causing me to break through this um and just share some live content as to some political events happening right now but that could also bring a lot of um conflict or you know there's potential for that to um I remember one of the midpoints has to do with challenging um um dynamics in terms of relationships and yeah um as well as not feeling supported and things like that and um I definitely know that I've felt that lack of support um in my grief in terms of people not knowing how to meet me and me not knowing how to navigate this myself um but going back to what I was saying when my husband died um my comfort zone has been to work in the government and uh, you know I realized that I don't want to die working a government job, at least if I, knowing this could happen any time, uh, I'd prefer to be, I'd prefer to die at least on the pathway of doing what I want to be doing in the world rather than, you know, continuing to hold back, especially if my parents gone, it's reinforced, gone on this plane. And so, yeah, that ending of a long pattern of just um, taking that safe option and just relaunching, but it's still having a lot of instability um, in that um, is definitely a big theme reflected and it's good to hear that astrology comes up strongly because I've been um, sharing my work, you know, um, I haven't put it out there but, you know, word of mouth from 2015, getting paid for it and I would like to put up a website finally and, and just take a chance. So um, that's affirming to, to think that, um, that's a, to know that that's supported in that way or reflected. So... Um, Yes, yes, there's a lot in there, so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. If you've enjoyed today's show, then please remember to hit subscribe down below. I'm currently on a mission to get 12,000 subscribers across all platforms, which includes YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify by the end of November 2023. And it's a tall order, but I'm pretty sure we can do it because we make some really good astrological content here on the Oraculous Podcast. So please remember to hit subscribe down below, hit the notification bell so that you receive notifications of when we come out with these episodes on a daily basis and please share 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 the oraculous podcast with your other astrologically minded friends so that more and more people can know about the amazing work that we're doing over here on the oraculous podcast